The last few weeks, many adults have been getting used to new apps for remote communication. Whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams, social distancing has changed the way we work overnight. But it's also changed the way our kids relate to their friends virtually too. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and your family. Thanks for joining us today. It seems like the coronavirus has touched practically every area of our lives, and that's true for our kids too. Playdates are out. So is connecting at school. Birthday parties? Uh Uh-uh. For most kids, seeing and relating to their friends face-to-face is something they've had to put on pause. And just like adults, they're learning new ways to connect with their peers, which is what we're going to talk about today. And speaking of talking, we would love to have you join us in our conversation. So be sure to let us know what you think by emailing us at team at thepluggedinshow.com. We want to know what you think about what we're talking about today. So get in touch with us and let us know. Joining me for today's conversation are Emily Clark, Bob Hoos, Jonathan McKee, Paul Acey. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about how technology is radically impacting the way we communicate with each other right now. But I want to rewind things just a little bit. There's an old school reference, right? So my family and I watched (laughs) the movie Field of Dreams the other night. And because I'm from Iowa, I cried through the whole thing. Every time they had a cornfield, I cried. And I used like two years worth of tears watching Field of Dreams. Um, but what was funny was we kept having to explain what people were doing. You know, we had to explain what a payphone was and what a rotary phone was to our children. So, you know, obviously communication has changed dramatically in the last couple of decades. And here's my fun question for you. Well, I think it's a fun question. Do you remember when you got your first cell phone? And how did that change the way you communicated with other people? Oh, I can't wait to hear Emily's answer because Yeah, Emily, we should let Emily go first. <laughs> Emily, how old were you when you first yeah. got your first cell phone? So I think I was 12. I had just started doing after-school sports. And since my school was in the next town over, my parents wanted me to have a way to communicate with them and with my older sister in case there was any issues with the activity bus. Um and I think the first year that I had a phone, activity it didn't. Bus. I love that activity bus. <laughs> that, that, that was the bus that took you home after all of your activities right. were done. Activity, um, okay, good. <laughs> I didn't know it was called that. That's great. Yes. Um, I don't think it really made that big of a difference the first year I had a cell phone because not a lot of people I knew had one. But the second year I had one, I was in eighth grade and that's when everybody really started getting cell phones. And that's when my friends and I started texting each other. And this was back when you didn't have a cell phone plan. You just paid like $20 for your a minutes card or something similar. So I would spend my allowance on getting my minutes every week. Wait, did, and you, did you pay? Did you pay ten cents a text? Yes, yes, I did. Oh something goodness. like that. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> it was quite the burden on my allowance. Um, but yeah, that that was. <laughs> That's kind of um, how I – it became a primary form of communication once everybody else started also having cell phones. That's awesome. I could picture a little you – know, Emily sitting there and d- deciding whether or not to you know, text the boy back or not because she's all, this conversation is going to cost me three bucks. <laughs> to, okay, to be fair, it wasn't texting boys. It was, it was only texting friends. 
you know, don't okay. Just, okay. don't put me That's in that good, box. That's good because boys are very dangerous. <laughs> That's right. Well, it is. It's funny that I mean, it's funny. I mean, what a glimpse into the past because I mean, when Emily was a kid, this was just happening. People were, you know, T nine texting. They were actually hitting the numbers to text. Right. You know, if you wanted to hit, you know, oh, yeah. if you wanted to do the letter C, you have to hit, you know, you if know, you the wanted an S, three times. you had to yeah. hit it four times. Four you had to times, really want yeah. the S. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my daughters who are like older than you uh, could. <laughs> I remember they could. Under the table, without looking, they could text, you know, with their fingers. Same. They knew. It, oh, my goodness. That's crazy. When I first got my first cell phone, I was uh, 20-something with a kid, um, and I was actually in sales at the time, and I got a phone so that I, when I was out, um, clients could reach me. And I remember my first phone was a Motorola 550 Flip, and the thing... <laughs> Those and were awesome. I had it was like the slimmest phone, and you could spend extra and buy a slim battery instead of the thick battery. So I, for my backup battery, bought the slim battery, and man, I was styling with my Motorola 550 Flip. Man, and that <laughs> thing, that thing was awesome. And there wasn't this was pre-texting. This was just your phone was just yep call. Or throw it at someone. I mean, that was it. That's all you could do with the thing. I mean, that was or drop it. You know, somewhere you don't want it to go. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, cell phone use sort of came on a little like puberty. Sort of fits and starts. It. Uh, I just. I never really got used to a cell phone. Like my first phone was a flip phone, like everybody else, right? I, I put it in my pocket. It was great, but. I was just not in the habit of using it. And there was nothing else you could do with it except call people. So it was just kind of lame. And then I went through a couple of smartphones because I thought, oh, this will make me use my phone more. No, not really. It wasn't until really about like seven years ago that I actually started using my phone the way most people do. So yeah. You sound like my dad. (laughs) I I know. It (laughs) makes me sound very old and fogey, but there it is. Well, and, and since we're talking about old and fogey, I'll talk. Uh, yeah. I, I would I would uh, agree with Paul. I mean, my experience was pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, I mean, I was I, for the longest time, I was one of those holdouts that actually kept calling people on the phone rather than texting them, you know, but uh, but eventually I got into the into the swing of things. But in terms of your question asking, how did it change the way we communicated? Uh, not much for me when I first got mine. Hmm. Oh man, Bob reminded us that none of us actually answered the question you asked. The good news is I'm going to answer my own question, even if people please do who are so difficult wouldn't. So what I found was it enabled me to share experiences that I wouldn't have otherwise shared. I remember being on a business trip. I was at a conference in uh, Florida, in Orlando, and I went to Cocoa Beach. And I remember going out into the ocean, you know, up to about my knees and pulling my phone out and calling my parents. And I was probably 26, 20, 27. I got it in 1997. And I'm like, you know where I am? I'm standing in the ocean, you know, because it was just such a novelty to be able to do that. And um, I remember doing that with several things. Uh, I was on another trip in Idaho. And those of you of a certain age will remember uh, evil Knievel trying to jump the Snake River Canyon. Anybody remember that? Mm-hmm. 
Yes, wow. indeed. Um, I'm glad you, you're there for a minute. I'm not okay. going to. <laughs> so I went to the ramp and I stood next to the ramp at the Snake River Canyon where Evil Knievel failed to jump this canyon. And I called my dad. I'm like, dad, you're not going to believe where I am. And so for me, it became not just mobile communication, but I could share these moments from places that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. And I am so sorry that none of the rest of you had those experiences. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> that's life. That's life. That's awesome. I, I, I want to go back and relive my life and call people I know, from various just spots. Call people I'm from standing places. where Neil Armstrong I said. I know, right? Oh, wait. No, okay. no, not know. yet. So <laughs> okay. that leads into our conversation today, which is how technology changes the way that we communicate. Uh, for all but a handful of states now, the coronavirus has come with the government mandate to stay at home except for you know everything except essential businesses and basic necessities. And most of us have quickly had to learn new ways to work at home, those of us who have jobs where that's a possibility, of course, including the recording of our podcast today as we all sit in various places, uh, not with each other and talk to each other through the wonder of right. technology. Um, but it wasn't um, until I'd been home a little while that I began to see that the communication gap was really affecting my kids and how hard it was for them to suddenly be cut off from their mm. friends. My 13-year-old mm. especially, who he makes me look like an introvert, he has really, really, <laughs> really struggled. Um, and I never, ever, he doesn't love school. I never thought I'd heard him complain about not going to school. But he is done with being home for right now. Mm. But then something really interesting began to happen. Almost completely on their own, my kids began to discover these new ways of communicating with their friends through their devices. Uh, my oldest has a smartphone, so not so much him, but my daughters each have Kindles, and they found new ways to talk to other people and to do video chat with other people. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Um, to get us started, what are some of the new ways that kids are connecting with each other online during our coronavirus lockdown? Well, I don't know necessarily about new ways that kids are connecting, but I know that with my family, we've used FaceTime, we've used uh, Facebook video chat, and uh, the old hat texting. Um, I've personally talked to some people through online video games. Um We've used Microsoft Teams for communicating with people at work. And uh, I even actually downloaded a game on my phone the other day so that my friend and I could play this game and talk to each other while we were playing. Okay. I would also add uh, apps like Zoom, which yep. I know we've used uh, in the office. Uh, Zoom is a great way to actually gather together a, a full group of people. You know, you don't have to have just two people like with a, a typical Skype, but with a with Zoom, you can get a whole bunch of your friends and actually see them and talk to them in person because they're all right there on the screen. Hmm. And uh, and just this past weekend, for example, I connected with all my adult kids for a, a, a Zoom game night. And hmm. we set up a game with a separate camera. And I mean, you could do online gaming and the online board games and things like that. But we did a a board game with an, a separate camera. And that was one of our zoom feeds. And, uh, and I mean, it limits some of the kind of games you can play, but it works and it's a lot of fun just being there while not being there. 
That's pretty great. I, I really love that, an online game night. I, I yeah. think that that's something we might do with my family. We, we actually used Zoom for the very first time this weekend, as a matter of fact. I connected with my parents. I connected with my sister down in Alabama, connected with, uh, with my daughter and her husband. And yeah, it was really rewarding just to be able to see, just to touch base with people who you haven't been able to see within this, this weird time of ours. Um, there's something special about that face-to-face contact, even, even if you're not connecting the way you usually do, just being able to see somebody's face, to hear their voice. I think there's a certain comfort that comes from that. Yeah, no, it's 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 awesome, and I it's kind of fun when you got everybody on the same screen, like the Brady Bunch opening, and everybody's looking <laughs> at each other. And it's it's really fun. Um, I, young people, I think, uh, you know, I, I've seen in youth ministry settings where people have had youth group on Zoom because you can have up to a hundred people, um, and so and it's really interesting because when you have you know like seventy six teenagers all on zoom it's like you almost youth workers are learning things about like okay everybody's got to be on mute unless i call on you because if not you have 76 people all talking at once which is crazy <laughs> but um but i think like young people i was just it, 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 it is it is like our podcast but um it is interesting because i think young people are using a lot of apps you know of course now you can there's stuff that connects to snap. It seems like everything connects to Snapchat it used to just be Snapchat, but now, you know, you can have house party, which ties right. to Snapchat and, you know, and you can meet someone in house party. And then if so, then you could go to Snapchat and, um, and, and it's interesting. And that's probably going to bring up another direction. Our discussion is going, which is which apps should we let our kids have? But th- I think a lot of young people are, are looking for any of these apps where they can connect with multiple people, um, and and talk with their existing friends, um, but also uh, a lot of young people love meeting people, you know, online and meeting strangers. So that's and that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that we're going to definitely want to have to talk about here. Yeah, we are going to talk about that, and I, I just want to talk about with my own family. Um, it's been interesting that one of the things that's happened is that my daughters discovered uh, this app called Facebook Messenger Kids which essentially is like FaceTime or you know any of these other video apps, but they have been using it constantly with a couple of their friends. And they have a cousin who lives in Virginia that in the past, maybe we would talk to her once a month. Uh, but now it's like three or four times a day. It's like, Oh, <laughs> they're, they're messengering again. And so I feel like they have just totally embraced this technology and it's enabled them to connect with people who aren't around them in ways that have been pretty surprising. Um, And that leads into my next question. Um, You know, at Plugged In, we often can default toward looking at the potential dangers and problems of a new technology, but I don't want to start there today. What are some of the benefits, do you think, of these new video apps when it comes to helping kids and helping us stay connected with each other? I think one of the benefits is that if your child is maybe a little more shy or introverted, this almost gives them an opportunity to kind of come out of their shells in a new way because rather than being in this you know, huge group social setting, they get to sit at home, they get to be in their comfort zone and talk to only who they want to talk to. Hmm. Yeah, it, I think that's a really interesting point, actually. I think that, that it, it does impact certain kids like that. But I also think that it's it's really critical for the extroverts, too. 
You know, I think that that being able to see your friends, your family um, face to face as much as you can, I think it's crucial for right now. I mean, honestly, this is going to sound strange, but it's it's great if the coronavirus had to strike at all, which we all know that we really wish it hadn't done anything. But the fact that it hit now and we have the technology to stay closer to one another, um, even in the midst of that, I think that's that's a little bit of a silver lining, in my opinion, where you can you can actually connect with people even when you can't see them face to face, literally. Yeah, I know it's it's felt like a lifesaver for us because we've got three kids and my daughters play with each other and my son is a little bit older and he's kind of on his own and he's the one who is an extrovert. And one of the other things he's discovered is Netflix has a function where you can all watch the same movie and have this side conversation going. And so he's been setting up movie nights with his friends where they'll watch a movie together, but they're able to talk as if, you know, you were really watching it together. Um, and that's kind of incredible. I mean, I think it really is yeah. amazing that the way that technology enables them to connect, it's not face-to-face, but uh, it's sort of a reasonable facsimile thereof. Right, right. And I, I appreciate that, that you brought up uh, the fact that they could do something together yeah. online, still communicating, because there there are a number of different applications uh, that you can find or sites that you can find where that makes that possible it's not just necessarily sitting in front of a screen and looking at faces and while everybody chats, it can be something, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, getting together with my family and playing a, a board game on zoom, but you can, uh, there are board game sites where you can uh, pay a small fee and invite as many of your friends in as you want. And everybody can just play this game together. And there's even little chat functions that go along with it. So they can, they can talk with each other while they're uh, uh, while they're playing the game, so I, there are more and more opportunities like that are available uh, in that direction, as Paul was saying, and that does make the the isolation a little less uh, severe. Yeah, you know what? It, it is cool, and I think we definitely can see these positives because we as human beings are created with this desire to you know be with others and talk with others and. and and this, you know, it's not that most young people like technology and gadgets and circuitry and stuff. They really like hanging out with other people and technology is just a means to do that. So now that they've had this face-to-face plucked from them and they do not have that opportunity anymore, they're even more so trending towards, okay, I need to connect with people even more so with screen. So, and so I don't want to be the negative guy, but it, this does segue nicely to the, the cautions that we need to have yeah, as absolutely. parents, because, because even something like, so Adam, you shared, for example, Facebook messenger for kids. Right. And I admit during the coronavirus apps like that have been great for us being able to connect in a healthy way in healthy relationships. It's interesting though. I actually heard Dr. Jean Twinge uh, speak and she was talking about the dangers of social media and how much it affects us and how, you know, depression, you know, she's got amazing studies about how anything over two hours and change, basically a day of screen time, depression and anxiety goes up. Well, obviously I think things are different during the coronavirus scare, but 
I think we shouldn't forget, though, the research that's out there that is, you know, before this whole coronavirus scare, we live in this world where a lot of young people were actually kind of starting to pull away from face-to-face relationships and they're starting to gravitate towards screen relationships because in a way it was a little easier for them. And they actually started to be so focused on screens that they were ignoring the people in the room and it was becoming a problem. Now all of a sudden coronavirus came in and all of a sudden everybody's like, well, this is all we have is screens. So it's, but, but we need to remember that sometimes screens actually can become a distraction and affect us mental health wise back to gene twinge gene twinge. Actually when Facebook messenger for kids came out, she and 97 uh, mental health experts wrote a letter to Zuckerberg and said, how could you release Facebook Messenger for kids? Huh. This isn't good. This is unhealthy. And she was, when I heard her speak, I asked her about this. I'm like, so why'd you write that letter? And she goes, because they're kids. <laughs> and literally, I mean, she was, uh, it was interesting. She and, and she starts citing all the research and the effect it has and that we should not be, you know, throwing screens to our kids at, at, at such a young age. Now, I do think it's different. And I'm not saying, Adam, that you're a bad parent because your kids are on Facebook. For it kids. feels like that's but what you're I'm, saying, Jonathan. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. We're, all, we're all judging you, right? It, exactly. I, feel, I that's thought okay. I could feel that. But, but, but I just think it's something that we do need to be aware of. And that's where I think it, it when we just need to not just hand our kids a screen and be like, they're okay. You know, and that right. and that's my point is that we need to realize that this does have effect on young people. And luckily, as families, we can have you know we need to be that much more proactive about non-screen activities. Well, let me ask great... a, a really. Um, this is a very subjective question. We talk about screen time a lot. Do you think right now, when we can't connect with each other, is connecting through some form of video chat? Uh, be it Zoom or Microsoft Team or, you know, Facebook Messenger, whatever it might be, uh, you know, even, you know, the, the older ones. Is that the same kind of screen time issue as just sitting and staring at a screen where there's something else going on? Is it different at all or is it it's still screen well, time? Well, so screen time, it's its interesting. Whenever I talk with parents about this, screen time and social media sometimes are almost two different conversations because social media in itself has this effect on young people because social media has all these ramifications of you're now staring at the screen where you're trying to measure up and, and right. how many people are liking me and, you know, uh, yeah. how many followers do I have? So there's all those issues. And then there's your safety because social media right. also brings up, you know, t- take an app like house party. Okay. House party can be a fun app families can use where you can get up to eight people on it. You can all talk with each other. You can play games. Um, and so it could be really fun, but house party also, if you're talking with a friend who allows strangers to be on there, also you can have strangers jumping in on, on there. And all of a sudden Adam's, you know, nine-year-old is faced with this decision of, wait a sec, I don't think I'm really supposed to talk with strangers. And, you know, my friend, Brian, he brought this weird dude in here now. And am I supposed to sit here and talk with him or not? You know? And so here's where we need to equip our kids to all of a sudden make these decisions on social media because of physical safety and mental health safety. Screen time almost is more the, Hey, you've been playing, you know, Fortnite for 13 hours. Right. You know, you need to get up. That's too you know, much. You need to take a bathroom break. Yeah. Right. So that's why I find those are two different issues at times. Yeah. No, and I think they are too. And and it may be 
a totally arbitrary and perhaps even self-serving uh, distinction. But to me, sitting and playing a video game or even being on Facebook or Instagram or social media feels different than them having a virtual face-to-face conversation with a close friend or relative. I would agree. However, there is still that level of accountability that I think is important no matter what medium you're, you're, you're talking yes. about. When you're, when you're dealing with screens, and I think it's a lot like video games, just video games, period, no matter what kind of form you're playing. I, it's more difficult when kids are locked away in their bedroom where you can't see them and they're doing whatever they're doing on their little screens somewhere right. as, as, com- as compared to having them out in the open, uh, creating that balance. Yes, there needs to be privacy, you know, if they're talking with friends on a screen, but there, there has to be that balance between privacy and accountability. You know, because there are things that can go on that you don't want to see going on, much right. like Jonathan was talking about earlier. Right. Yeah, and so we still need to have those boundaries uh, in place that that protect our kids. And obviously, when you're dealing with a visual medium, we know people can do things visually that we might not want them doing. So all of the conversations we've had before about how you interact with people online are still very much in play and relevant here, I think. I think that if you're talking about putting boundaries up and making sure that your kids aren't doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. Um, You know, I'm just thinking about if your kid was in school right now, they'd be talking to their friends, hanging out with their friends, doing whatever they normally do. And they might, you know, say or do something that, that they're not supposed to do. Your reaction as a parent, when you discipline them, you know, you might say, okay, you're not allowed to socialize with that person who you got in trouble with, or you're not allowed to play video games this week because you didn't do your homework or whatever. So I think that what's important, this is something that I think is important. It's like, because now everything is screen-based right now, including their socialization. You don't want to necessarily say, just take away their phone or their video game or whatever it is and be like, okay, because you did such and such, you now have zero technology privileges because that also takes away the socialization thing, which is really important for the development of children. So I think there's like also a balance as parents to say, Hey, what forms of media and entertainment am I going to use in terms of disciplining my children and what forms will still be allowed, even if they've made a mistake. I mean, it's, it's common sense, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're saying that, that, that we all, and as parents need to, uh, to apply a level of common sense and things change with different circumstances and you, but you still, you still have to use the same common sense. I think that's exactly right. And I think the reality is that, Technological changes in the way that we relate are rarely all good or all bad. And I think that's definitely the case with these new video messaging apps and other online forms of communication. You know, in this time that we're all cooped up and largely physically cut off from face-to-face time with friends and family, it can provide a much-needed outlet for our kids and for us to relate to friends and peers. But as with any technology... There are also ways that it could potentially be misused. And as you were saying, Bob, that means we got to use common sense. And, and Jonathan, you were talking about this too, that, that we put up boundaries that 
protect our kids from misusing that technology or or using it in a way that that leaves them vulnerable. Uh, and that's why we need right. to keep setting appropriate limits and appropriate boundaries. Well, and, and that's and the reason why is we're talking about the difference between healthy communication, and I think that's what Emily is really trying to you know uh, have us hear. And, and I appreciate her point of view is you know if if your kid does something inappropriate and you yank away their only right now their only you know, uh, railway towards socialization, you know, their, their, their only means of socialization. Maybe we should rethink that. I was going to say, because you're also taking away any potential for positive communication. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and when you think about like, you know, Adam's talking about how, you know, here's his kids are talking with their cousins and, you know, and, and if you've got your kids talking with family and, and friends, a lot of these are going to be really good relationships and yep. we want them to be able to continue those kinds of things. Now there's a whole different level, you know, a lot of parents sadly just let their kids have their devices in their bedrooms all night long. Um, you know, most recent studies show that 79% of teenagers have their phone in their bedrooms all night. That, that's when every expert out there is saying, don't let your kids have your phones in your bedrooms at night. So that's one of those things where it's like, Hey, come on, moms and dads. Uh, we want our kids to be social, but we don't necessarily want our kids at one in the morning, you know, navigating into some of these arenas that are very dangerous. So we need to be yep. careful of some of the dangers of social media. We need to be careful of some of the distractions out there. That doesn't mean cut them off from all healthy social conversation, which right now is through screens, but still we need to be careful and set some of those boundaries. Cause there's a lot more dangerous things out there than a, than getting the flu. <laughs> to right. be frank. <laughs> right. There is a lot of danger out there and it's our job as parents to really help our kids navigate this crazy world that we're living in. Well, this has been a great conversation today. And we also want to hear from you about you and your family out there. How has the coronavirus affected the way your kids are interacting with their friends? Tell us about it. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. So send us an email with your thoughts on today's show at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And on the episode page for today's show, you'll also find links to focus on the family's resources for helping your family navigate this whole time together as we deal with this coronavirus outbreak. Well, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, it seems like you've got time. So now's the time to do that and tell your friends about us too. We look forward to spending some more time with you next week on the Plugged In Show. 